hello and welcome to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and you can email me with your thoughts or your questions on live at cicerone.co.uk. Today I am talking to Carol Dorgan, who is an American author who lives in France, and he's going to be talking to us about the GR5 trail an incredibly long route that goes from the Hook van Holland all the way down to Nice in the French Alps. I'm Carol Dorgan, and uh, I live in France. I'm an American who's lived in France for 30 or so years, done lots of hiking and cycling here in France, and especially the GR5, which is one of my all-time favorite trails. We chatted recently about doing some marketing for your Brittany Coastal Path book. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and when we were talking about that, we just happened to mention the GR5 um, because you have written a guidebook to the GR5, but not the entire route. Yes. I, uh, I've i hiked the entire route a couple of times and lots of shorter hikes around there. But when I got around to writing, um, Cicerone had already published two guidebooks to this great long trail. And so there was a gap in the catalog that I uh, stepped into to write a guidebook to the what I call the northern GR5 from the, the North Sea at Hook van Holland all the way to the Vosges, the northern Vosges in Schirmeck. And that's the it's about a thousand kilometers of trail that I wrote about in, in my guidebook. Yeah, so Cicerone has got three guidebooks to the GR5. The first one that came out was just called the GR5. And it's a bit like the Camino, isn't it? When when people say they're doing the GR5 or they're doing the Camino, they just mean a particular stretch of the GR5. So the sort of most common bit is from Lac Le Mans down to Nice. But actually, the, the GR5 trail, like you said, starts at Hook Van Holland, and comes all the way down through Benelux and Lorraine and then the Vosges and Jura before you get to the GR5 trail that that our original guidebook covered. That's right. That's right. And for me, I always want to insist that the GR5 is the entire trail. But it's true that the Alpine part, which takes about a month to hike uh, and is really dramatic over the mountains, is perhaps the best known. And you'll certainly see the most people hiking it on that that section of the GR5. Uh, you have fewer people hiking through the Benelux and in Lorraine. Uh, you have some, and some people do parts of it. When you say GR5, people are often thinking of the of the Alpine part. But anyway, it's a it's a trail that uh, or a marked route that covers about two thousand three hundred kilometers from Hook van Holland all the way to Nice on the Mediterranean. And so it's it's a it's a really really spectacular trail, and it covers a lot of different places, a lot of variety in terms of terrain. A variety in terms of uh, the different countries you're walking through with different languages, different traditions, different food. Uh, so it, it's that's one of the th- great advantages in my mind of hiking the whole GR5 is because you go through this variety of places uh, and different kinds of trends, starting off in flat country like the 
the Delta region of the Netherlands, where you're walking on polder through polder land and on dikes and through uh, dunes, forested dune land, and then the countryside in Flanders, uh, where you are inland walking through uh, forests and countryside and heathland, several very beautiful uh, national parks there. And then you move into Wallonie, Wallonia, uh, in the southern part of Belgium. And there you enter a hilly region or small mountains in the Ardennes region, which extends then into Luxembourg, also in the Ardennes. And then you finally finish Luxembourg along the Moselle River uh, near the vineyards or across the vineyards and enter France in uh, Lorraine. Uh, and there it's rolling countryside, forested areas that you walk through, especially south of Metz. And then you turn east and walk. And then after a few days, you see the Vosges Mountains, the outline of the Vosges Mountains on the horizon. It's a beautiful sight, exciting to see real mountains out there. And you get to the Vosges Mountains and basically turn right, turn south, and walk across the Vosges for couple of weeks, and it's, it's a really wonderful area to walk through. Very interesting. We can talk more about all those. Uh, that then leads to the Jura. Uh, also, mountainous, not as big as the mountains as, as the Vosges, but still up and down significantly in many places or through river valleys and up onto a plateau that then leads to Switzerland, Lac Léman, and cross the lake and then get started in the, in the Alps on the other side, of the, on the southern side of the lake for about three, four weeks of hiking through the mountains, crossing about 40 passes to get to Nice. So that's, a, in a nutshell, what you're doing on the GR5. <laughs> so that's several thousand kilometers in, yes, in about yes. a minute. That's pretty good going. So <laughs> yeah. I, I can see why Cicerone have decided to publish this route in three guidebooks, because actually it's it's an enormously long distance. And as you said, just the last chunk of the trail takes about a month to walk. I mean, how many people do do it as a through hike the whole way? Well, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly how many people do it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I have met some people doing it, but I, it's much more common, of course, for people to do sections of it. I've met people uh, who were doing, say, two, three weeks each summer when they have uh, some holiday time, some vacation. But I've met only a few people who did it all the way straight through. And, of course, I did it – I couldn't do it myself until I retired from my re regular job. And and uh, uh, my wife and I hiked about two months of the GR5 years ago um, when I was between jobs. And that was – we just did the mountain part from the Vosges to Nice. And we uh, – I remember as we walked into Nice saying ah, – I feel like just turning around and going back and doing it all again, or let's make it a, a, a goal sometime, a dream of doing the whole thing. And it was the first thing that I did with my wife after I retired. And we went up to Hook Van Holland and walked to Nice. And it, we spent about four months doing it. Wow. It must be so weird when you finish. Like, what it do is. you do the next day after you've walked <laughs> thousands of miles and you just That's, stop? Yeah. 
That's right. It is. It, there's a little bit of decompression. I, I wrote a blog as I was walking the whole thing. This was in 2015. And I remember how I sat and wrote the last blog entry sitting in, in a cafe in Nice and feeling uh, it was quite strange. And, and, it's, and it's just also strange. You get to a city like Nice and there, you know, there are so many cars and so many traffic lights and roads and things like that. And I mean, the GR5 is not uh, a wilderness trail. It's not a you know wilderness experience. You know, it's not like say the Pacific Coast Trail in in the United States or the Continental Divide Trail, where you really are out in the wild and you won't see many towns. You have to carry food for two weeks at a time. Things like that. Isn't GR five? Isn't like that? But it is still very much out in the country in the mountains. Uh, I remember crossing a road over an auto route once in Loren somewhere, I think it was. And it really was strange to see cars zipping by at 130 kilometers an hour. I said, this is, it's a strange world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it just, it is a transition. There is a sort of shock to returning to civilization when you've been living with your, all your possessions on your back. And especially you know, for, if you camp, I, we didn't camp seven years ago, but we did back in, in 1989. Uh, and, and so you really are out the, a little bit more out in the wild than when you're camping most of the time. When you walked it, when you first retired, did you have an idea that you wanted to be a guidebook writer then, or did that appear out of walking the route? I think that appeared uh, out of walking. I, there was a, a very good book about hiking the GR5 written by two American women, uh, published in the mid eighties, hiking Europe from top to bottom. And, uh, it was not so much a guidebook as a memoir of of hiking, uh, although you could get some guidance reading it, but it's more like to read it to get interested in it. And it's very well written and very inspiring. And so as I read that, I was thinking, you know, maybe I could step in and write a new version of this or something like that. So the idea was 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 working there. But I was just then getting acquainted with Cicerone in the first place. And, and so uh, uh, it was something that, that developed as I was walking. How many countries do you go through when you do the GR5? You do. You go through five that really, I'd say, are an important part of the trail. There's Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, the Benelux, and then France, uh, a lot of France, of course, and then some of Switzerland when you uh, arrive at Lac Léman, and then a few days later there's a half day of walking through a bit of Switzerland over between two passes. So those are the five principal uh, countries that you visit. But you also step briefly once or twice into Germany. Uh, we went over to Germany a couple of times just to get a place to spend the night. And then and sh you go a little bit of Germany through Schengen, where the treaty was signed years ago. And then also there in Italy. There are little sections of Italy. One of them is through uh, a along a variant uh, of the GR5, and there's maybe the most interesting part of Italy is is the what's called the Valle Etoile near uh, Briançon, and it's actually part of France, but it was Italian territory, a little sliver of Italian territory that France annexed after World War II, and. So it's part of France, but it is very Italian. Uh, they speak Italian there. Their telephone numbers are Italian telephone numbers, and they serve polenta for dinner. And so you really feel like you've <laughs> stepped into into Italy. And it's a really beautiful. I my you know there were supposedly some strategic reasons for taking that 
past, which are no longer important anyway. But I think my theory is the French took it because it's so beautiful. Cicerone publishes three guidebooks to the GR5 trail, which between them cover the entire route. If you'd like to get 25% off any of the guidebooks covering the GR5 trail, please use the code GR525 at the checkout at cicerone.co.uk. You're really into your history. So as a history lover, what does that add to the experience of walking the trail? Well, it adds a lot for me because I look around and I understand or I learn, I try to learn as I'm walking, learn more things about uh, what was significant about this place or that building or why it was attracted so much attention, often, unfortunately, conflict or rivalries. And the GR5 is really lies upon a kind of a fault line of European history where there were lines of communication, rivers, the Rhine or the, the Meuse the Schelt, those rivers and things like that. Important passes were significant and so forth. So, you know, attention, commerce, military activities and so forth focused on those areas. And you, if you're thinking about them or you have your eyes open, you can notice and understand why they were important for people in history, but for, for commerce, trade, industry, as well as for in national rivalries and, and, and conflict, too. If you're walking along, you see a lot of castles and forts and medieval fortifications and 20th century fortifications like the Maginot Line. Sad moments of 20th century history. You go past, uh, in, the, in the Vosges, a German concentration camp in Struthof near Schirmeck. So uh, I think for me, it's just, it's part of the whole experience is to be aware of the history around me. And when I walk a long way in, on a hike, I sometimes think about what it's like for people back hundreds of years ago who got everywhere they went on foot for the most part. This GR5 makes me think a little bit about what was called the, the Spanish Road, which was a, a route that was used by Spain to send soldiers from Spain to the Low Country during the 16th century when the Dutch were rebelling against uh, Spanish rule and the Dutch had naval forces that were strong enough to make it very difficult or dangerous for the Spanish to send ships with soldiers around from Spain up to, to the Netherlands. So the Spanish instead loaded their troops into ships and sent them across the Mediterranean from Spain to northern Italy. They would disembark in Genoa and then walk from there to Brussels, which is pretty much like the GR5. And to imagine these 16th century soldiers and all the camp followers, men and women, you know, moving their way up over Alpine passes and around Geneva, but well enough away from Geneva because the Genevans might attack them otherwise. And then up through uh, Lorraine and Luxembourg, they imagine the shoes that they were wearing and the clothes and the shelter. And they, you know, compare that with my experience. You know, sort of, there's an affinity for these poor soldiers, but also <laughs> I'm a lot more comfortable. So that sort of thing I find you know, quite interesting. And so it's true that the history is a big part of it for me. I, th- this might sound a bit strange, but I always think about the when I'm outdoors about the rocks and the trees that's not strange at all. I, people think I'm strange with it. <laughs> well, well the, just the, their experience of time, 
compared to ours. Yes. And yes, I think, yes. wouldn't it be fascinating if we had some sort of webcam that we'd stick yes. in all the trees and then just watch it back and see what they have been able to see over the years? It would just yes. be just fascinating. I I would just yeah find it very interesting to go back and imagine that. Um, so I'm a little bit better on human history than geology or botany. So we all, there's more geology, I think, in, in the other Cicerone guidebooks than in mine, tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we, we do let you sometimes write articles for Cicerone Extra, where you get to indulge that um, enthusiasm, if any listeners want to, to read those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think very few people who will be doing these walks are doing it just for exercise, you know, most people are doing it because they're interested in the history or the environment or, or the, the rocks or something. They, they've usually got something. And I think for the GR5, too, as I was saying before, it's, you know, it's, it's very much a walk through societies. You're not isolating yourself from the, the world as much as you would in the wilderness a trek in some ways. And, and so, you, you know, you meet people one place, they're speaking Dutch somewhere else. They're speaking a, a Luxembourg dialect or something like that. Um, I wrote somewhere that, that this trail could be a, a museum tour. I mean, there is quite an interesting collection of museums right along the route, you know, some really well-known world-class art museums like the Pompidou in Metz, um, and uh, and uh, Bon Enfant in in Maastricht, but then also little funky little museums that you would not expect. You wouldn't go out of your way maybe to to visit unless you're really into that particular subject. But they're quite interesting just to stumble upon, like a, a tugboat museum in Maslaus uh, and a, a flint museum in near Vise in uh, Belgium uh, and a paper mache museum in Pont a Mousson and a wine museum in Luxembourg and a salt museum in, in Lorraine uh, and on and on. So I, I find those things interesting as, as well. And, and so if a person is hiking, they I mean, some people will just be wanting to walk, you know, boom, I'm, I have one thing to do here. I'm going to walk. I'm going to rack up 30 kilometers at least every day, but others might want to linger here and there. Uh, and in, if you're taking a long hike, which would, GR5 would be a very long hike if you're doing it in one go. It's good to take a day off here and there or a half day. And uh, there are many, many interesting towns and cities along the way where you could enjoy a little time off and, and pop into a museum if you're interested or, or simply walk around and learn a bit about the history of the place, of course, and things like that. Uh, quite a few spots but i i like to do that anyway sometimes sometimes you, you get sort of antsy after a full day but maybe a, a you know stop around midday have a nice lunch and then go visit a museum and next day you're ready to go i guess there's so much flexibility that you could make it last a week or two weeks or a month or six months you yes. could take as much time as, yes. as you wanted that's right it. And and one thing to notice about the the GR five and well hiking you know a lot of places there are many variants along the trail. Uh, you don't just stay on one GR five. And in fact, there is, there are, for example, in the Vosges mountains, there's a very very dense network of trails that have been marked laid out and marked uh, very systematically by the local uh, uh, hiking club, the Club Vosgien. 
you'll see you can see science with a dozen different symbols. You know, they have discs and lozenges and rectangles and circles and th- all sorts of things. And you go and various, you can follow these trails all over the place. So you can do a little variance and go off there somewhere else in the Vosges, or just follow the GR5, which f- follows a red rectangle in the Vosges. And then in the Alps, there are some very, very interesting variants that take you off the GR5. In particular, the in the Vanoise, uh, you have uh, a choice of three different trails in the Vanoise, which are very well described in Patty Dillon's book, by the way. And you can follow the GR5 itself. There's a GR5C, I believe it is. And then the best one of all, which Patty recommends and I endorse is the GR55, which is stays at a higher level and then uh, rejoins the GR5 after three or four days. Uh, So uh, those are options. And then there's the GR52 as well at the end, which peels off uh, from the GR5 about five days before you reach Nice and goes through the Mercantour National Park and then drops down to Menton instead of Nice. So you can certainly, if you start following those variants, you can turn it into a six-month walk. Uh, You just have to be careful about the weather, of course, in some places. Uh, But uh, north of the the Alps, it's a a three-season trail, so you can hike a lot of different times. And I suppose there's there there is something for everyone. If you're not a massively experienced walker, you could do a shorter stretch of it and a slightly easier stretch. And then if you are really experienced, you could do either just make it longer and do a longer part of it or do a slightly more challenging part of it. So can you highlight perhaps a good chunk that would be sensible for beginners and then a, a more challenging chunk for more experienced trekkers? Sure. I think I would pick out the, the Vosges for beginners. Yeah, it was one of the first places I guess I hiked that was actually part of the GR5 years ago. And it's uh, the trail. Well, everywhere you go, the trails are easy to follow. There's, they have an element of challenge in them compared to fi- hiking across flatland, uh, say, in, in Holland. But they're not as challenging physically as the Alps. Uh, so you're in the mountains. You have great views over distant areas. The uh, it's an interesting area, Alsace, with its own <laughs> a lot of history. You could talk about there, and the trail is a huge network of trails, as I was saying, not just the GR5. So you have uh, lots of options. And and uh, the way I discovered the Vosges the first time actually was through day hikes. I was working as a teacher at the time, so I had summers off, and I loaded up my car with a box of books and a tent, and I drove down to to a little village in the Vosges and pitched my tent and then went out every day for for day hikes, you know, and I got to know the area that way before then hiking through it some a few years later on the GR5. So, so, so I'd say the Vosges to answer the first part of your question. And then for the second part, uh, I, w- I would say – uh, of course, you could pick out something a little bit more challenging in the Alps. Um, I could, I, there's one, I could just, I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities in the Alps. The Vanois is really spectacular. Uh, that high level route that I told you about, the GR55, uh, I would certainly recommend. Another route that I would recommend in the in the Alps, which would be, you know, a nice, in fact, I just did recommend it to a, to a friend I met in Brittany who was going hiking in the Alps, about five days or so to leave from 
uh, Samoan in the Northern Alps, which is in north of Chamonix, and walk from Samoan uh, over to the Massif of Mont Blanc, and you go around, you pass uh, the, the Brévent, which is a pass just north of Chamonix, and then you go down around uh, Les Uches, and then over towards um, Contamine, and then continue all the way to the Beaufortin, and then even farther, if you can, to the Vanoise. That's a, that's a very, very nice section of the GR5, and you have views of Mont Blanc, spectacular views. You walk past, well, before that, you walk past a really magnificent lake, called Lac d'Anterne, which is between Samoan and Chamonix. Uh, after Chamonix and, and Les Huches, then you go past uh, uh, Contamine and up to uh, the Col de Bonhomme, and then another pass, which is called the Col de la Croix de Bonhomme. And after that, you, you pass a refuge. And then there's this spectacular ridge that you walk along uh, called the Crête des Gites. Uh, and it, Cicerone published a, a little reminisce, a, a memoir of walking over that by, by an American, young American hiker some years ago. And it's really quite spectacular. It's a narrow knife edge ridge and you walk along it for about an hour and you're up high. And, and when I walked it, I remember looking down and, and being fascinated to see birds sort of flying around in circles below me. I, that's pretty special too. You have to have a kind of a head for, for heights there because it's, it's a bit exposed in a few places, but it's a good trail and uh, it really is a marvelous experience to go through there. Cicerone's got a guidebook for the Van Moise and I was looking recently at the the treks and the, the photographs in, in that book and it just looks, it does look incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really good area to walk through. Uh, and there's parts that I haven't walked in, but I've walked on most of what's covered by that uh, that guidebook from various combinations. Because there are there the GR five goes through it, then there's the fifty five. Then you go around. You can do various loops, uh, and and it's it's really really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it does look really beautiful. Okay, so what's the accommodation like on the trail? For accommodation, if you take the whole GR5, you're going to probably sample a little bit of everything. It's possible. I mean, many people like to camp. Uh, although I find that Europeans camp somewhat less than Americans do in, in their you know, great wilderness areas where you really much have to in, say, the Rocky Mountains or the Sierras. Um, and so, and it's not so necessary. For example, in the mountains, uh, you can stay in refuge or huts in the mountains, which are quite comfortable, sometimes a bit noisy, a bit stuffy, but, but they serve meals and companion, meet people and things like that. But camping is a good option in the mountains, a little bit more complicated in the north. In some places, it isn't really allowed, but if you're discreet, you can do it. Uh, but there are also commercial campgrounds, uh, which are quite comfortable and convenient, you know, with showers and facilities like that. And But you can also uh, stay in uh, there, are, there are B&Bs and hostels. And so, so there's a wide variety of uh, accommodation. And um, what sorts of equipment would you take on the GR5? The equipment would be basic hiking kit. You don't need anything particularly special. There are a few little items that I would recommend. Uh, if you're hiking in the mountains, and if you're going to be staying in huts and refuge, uh, you should 
should bring along either a sleeping bag or much lighter, just a sleeping bag liner. A silk sleeping bag liner is compact and uh, light. Uh, the French call that a sac à viande, but we just sleeping bag. Like, <laughs> a yeah. meat sack. That's right. <laughs> Where that came from, I don't <laughs> Lovely. know. Lovely. But, but that is the... <laughs> that is the that is the the term that they use and they'll recognize. So bring along a sack of viande, and you'll be the viande, I guess. And then uh, also a little item that I found useful and people have appreciated the suggestion, and that is bring along a little rubber sink stopper because uh, if you have a chance to wash clothing. There'll be a sink somewhere, but often no way of plugging it. So bring along a little rubber sink stopper, and that makes it easier to wash clothes. Uh, besides that, uh, it's – it's uh, oh, and another point I would mention, especially if you're in the mountains, and that is it's becoming pretty difficult to charge telephones and other electronic devices in a in a refuge there's just too much demand i think everybody's got a phone and maybe a camera etc and they just don't have the electricity to serve everybody you know they're maybe just dependent upon solar electricity uh, solar power or i know one place that has a little water turbine powered by a stream that runs down the hillside so you'll find suddenly that there aren't plugs available for people used to be a little bit easier i think so I carry an external battery for my 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 phone, uh, and if I think I'm going to be really out there too far away for too long, uh, a solar power collector. And so that's something to think about, especially if you're going to be in huts in the mountains. If you're going to be in hotels and B and Bs, of course, that's not not a, not so much of a problem. So those are so there's not anything too special apart from these little items that I would would recommend. And then for, and you should, for clothing, uh, you just need to be ready for just about any kind of weather, any time of year. I've been rained on pretty hard in the middle of the summer. I've gotten some some snow or hail as well, but also 40-degree temperatures, <laughs> hiking across the Vosges, things like that. So a good, you know, good hiker has all that they need and no more than they need. And with the accommodation, how far ahead do you have to book? I recommend booking ahead. I mean, if you book too far in advance, then you're at a risk of having to make changes, and that's awkward. Uh, I, but I think it's a good idea when you're booking into hotels and B&Bs and places like that to book a day or two at least in advance. I, you, can, you can also book in nowadays with, with – uh, Webs, you know, websites and things like that. You can book into r- refuges as well, which is something I didn't do back in the old days. Um, and I don't think any refuge would actually turn someone away if they showed up at six o'clock in the evening and and they all the beds were filled. But you might then sleep on the floor. It's all these things you can look back on when you when you've got to a stage where you can you can afford for me uh, to stay somewhere more comfortable. It's like, ah, oh, do you remember those uncomfortable days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so a, a quick plug for your, your Brittany book then, Carol. Yes, yes, yes. Well, as I say, I, I just a few years ago, I discovered Brittany. I went decided to go hiking out there and exploring it. And, uh, and I really, really have enjoyed it. And as I've said before, you know, I'm interested in history. And Brittany has very distinctive, unique 
history and culture, its own language, its own traditions, its its uh, links with Britain, for example, and things like that. And and walking along the coast of Brittany is, is really quite experience, quite spectacular. So uh, as I say, I, I have a certain loyalty to the GR5, but Brittany and the GR34 is also an excellent area to go walking in. And I'm looking forward to going back and continuing where I left off the last time, which I plan to do this spring, I hope. Great. I really feel like we could talk for ages about the GR5 and hiking and all sorts of things. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, um, but we are out of time. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. I would say start looking at the reports on the snow in the mountains and get ready to head out for the GR5. Uh, <laughs> it's, and, and, and also it's becoming a bit easier to hike now with the COVID a bit more under control. It's, it was complicating things for people and refuge and so forth. But I would say the, the GR5, and don't neglect the northern part of the GR5. That's another message. Don't just yeah. go to the Alps, but start out there. Go up to Hook Van Hollen, stand by the, 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 the ocean there, wind blowing off for the North Sea, and just imagine ahead of you, 2,300 kilometers away, is the sunny Mediterranean. All you have to do is walk there. Fantastic. Thank you, Carol. That's That's been great. You're welcome. And it was my pleasure. I enjoy it. Well, that was great. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. I'd love to know what you think or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Please email us on live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes. Or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news, events and guidebooks. Visit cicerone.co.uk for further details. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, please feel free to come and join us on our social media channels. We're on all the main ones as at Cicerone Press. And we also have a Facebook group, Cicerone Connect, where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Thank you.